podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kaza Show. You know, these late night kickoffs kind of throw a spanner in the works for me and my schedule, but you know what? The Reds winning. Oh my God, I got a little, got a bit nervy there with that John Joe Shelby, but hey, up, Reds being the Reds, it finished 3 1 and, and, and Chelsea dropping points as well. Thank you very much, Agent Rafa. I'm sure Everton fans will be, you know, half. You know, angry at that one. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, I'm just waffling for the sake of waffling here. So you know what? I'm just going to shut up and introduce my guest. First up, it is um, somebody who likes these late kickoffs, and um, I'm going to say, you know, works really well for us. Um, it is the awesome Carl. Carl, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Nina. I'm glad it's another late night win. I mean, I'm I'm game for all the late night games if if they're going to be wins like this. Sign him up till the end of the season. No, Carl, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. I can't wait to listen to some of your insight and your thoughts on the game. And joining Carl, it's a diehard match goer. It's my good friend. I I did have to play on the words there. If you've listened to this, you'll know why. It is Harinda. Harinda, welcome back. So diehard, I didn't go today. (laughs) You know what? You're allowed enough there. You you were meant to do this pod. Um, guys, um, uh, I don't think we've got any callers right now. So you know what? Let me get your thoughts. Um, thoughts, you know, post-match, how are you feeling after that? I mean, I'll come to you, Carl. I mean, what what's the, what's the general feeling? I mean, the first thing I do now is Liverpool win. I eyeball the, the table, you know, Chelsea dropping points there. Three points between us and them, one between us and Man City. We have um we have a better goal difference, so it is so so tight at this time, and it's it's quite exciting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean it, it's a real rarity to have a, a three horse race in this league. You know, it, it is a competitive league in one way, in which that it's generally different teams contesting the league each season. You know, might be one of like City have been there for the past few years, but. You know, Liverpool are there one year. Chelsea might be there another year with them. Man United, obviously, a few years ago. But it's usually just two. You know, usually the rest will fall away somewhat and might be contending for for top four. But it does really have the the feel that it it is going to be the three in there for for the long run. So obviously, we are watching every result of Chelsea's and City's and, you know, unfortunately Leeds let us down last night, but it was great to see. Oh, they didn't even bother showing up. <laughs> this is it, but it was great to see Rafa do us a favour tonight, but the most important thing is that we win our games, you know, it doesn't matter, yes. damn, what 
City or Chelsea do if we don't pick up the three points. And it's so important that we did that tonight. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I wasn't worried when Shelby scored. I almost half expected him to score when I saw him on the team sheet. And the way in which Newcastle were playing in, in, in the first half, and we'll come on to that, I'm sure, I was so confident we get back into it. But I have to admit, as it was coming towards the end there, you know, I was thinking of the game last year at Anfield where obviously Newcastle got a, a very late equaliser and could yeah. have even won the game. And the commentators were starting to, to talk about that and say, oh, this this looks like it could still have a twist. And you're, you're starting to sweat it somewhat. And thank God for Trent Alexander-Arnold and his, his thunderbolt shot because, I mean, that just put all the worries to bed and, and it did so in style. Absolutely, Carl. And you know what? I, I remember when the Chelsea result, because I think they played a bit ahead of us, didn't they, Harinda? And uh, the, the result came in that it finished one all. And I'm like, yes, but I like, can't get too excited. It's 10 minutes left. And, you know, we, I still felt like, oh, you know, like I was still holding on to like, you know, like the scars of last season. But Harinda, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me about how you feel after that. I mean, the title race, just everything, everything that's going through your head right now. Um, Football related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to say it's quite a lot going through my head. That's not related to football. Um, relief a little because when Shelby scored, you know when you like the game starting and you haven't gone to the match and you're kind of faffing about at the start of of a yes, match. Yeah, that happens sort of, to me a lot. Yeah, you Especially got a few these things going on. as well because they're like yeah. literally, yeah. Yeah, so I was busy sorting something out with my phone and my accounts and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, then just ambling along kind of thing. And the next thing you know, you like to see Thiago do what he does, and Shavi's got the ball, and then it's in the back of the net. And you're like, going, I first thought it was a deflection goal. You know, like my mm. first instinct was just the way that it moves, I thought, oh, fuck, has it been a deflection? No wonder Alice has been beaten. But then when you look at it again, it's not a deflection. He's actually spun it nicely around um, Hendo's leg, sort of. And He's confused Alison completely and he's going to the back of it. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, he's like, Shelby, you get the, the classic Shelby spectacle celebration. Yeah, for, uh, honestly, you know what? You said then think this is the kind of shit I don't need on a Thursday night when I'm not at the match. And I just, you know what? Well, fuck it. Look, we need to win. People, sort your lives out. And obviously we did. Um, I know it's nearly awards season in, in the theatre land and movie land, you know, like with the there'll be probably what BAFTAs soon and there'll be Oscar nominations and Screen Guild Awards and Screen Actors Guild sorry awards and um, everything else like that mm. and Newcastle decided to put their bid in you know I've got a headache you know, I think I put it in the chat at the time it's a bit like when you're with the other half and everything's looking rather amorous but you know what you really don't you're not quite interested and what was that film um, What Women Want way back when, when Mel Gibson could um, read everyone else's minds and they were trying to come up with strap lines for Advil, you know, for when you want to fake faking it. That's exactly what Newcastle did. That's exactly what Newcastle did. They faked it. And they got caught out because he scored a goal. So, oh, that right, great. <laughs> and then comes the second, then comes the third, later on the second half, but we'll get onto that, I'm sure. But overall, relief. You know, I, I'm, I'm relieved. We just need to keep pace right now. That's all it's all about. Um, it's not the whole 1920 season where we won it at a canter and it's not looking like that because other teams have turned up this year so I know. we have to keep on turning too yeah. I know and like Leeds getting stuff like a turkey before Christmas is just not right 
You know, know. it's like almost like you know, like, <laughs> like um, there's a classic about a five a five bird roast or whatever. This was a seven bird roast, and they were trying to think of other two birds to go in there. It's like what the fuck, Leeds? Come on, sort your life out. And when Bielsa went to Leeds, there was this like this whole thing about Bielsa. Oh my god, you know, wow, almost, you know, sort of like um, a deity of football managers, almost, you know, and. I kind of feel sorry for him. I know this is not a specifically Leeds pod and I don't know much about Leeds, but I kind of feel sorry for him. When your team gets stuffed 7-0, you do have to sit down and worry, like, what the fuck happened here? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. We can't control other people's results as long as we keep on controlling our own. I'm happy. Yeah, just got to do what we've got to do. And Carl, I'll come back to you. I mean, we are going to talk about the game, but of course, you know, it, you know, we've seen a lot of matches being cancelled and, you know, postponed and, you know, all all that because of, um, you know, COVID again. You know, it's it's looking pretty bleak. And um, we get two players, starters, you know, in, in Virgil van Dijk and, and Fabinho who were out because it looks likely that they've tested positive. I mean, talk to me about that, um, just the team lineup and just that news in general. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's a lot of games been cancelled lately, particularly for Spurs and United. And yeah. I, I did find myself thinking this afternoon, clearly this is going to creep into our camp sooner rather than later. And you're just kind of hoping that it doesn't affect the key players. And then a couple hours before the game, you're seeing tweets suggesting that Virgil van Dijk is out. And I actually dismissed him because he's always the player that people seem to kind of throw false injuries out on social media about so it's like ah, he's probably grand it'll all be grand so when the official tweet came out that the three lads were missing i i was concerned because it is just newcastle and i still thought we'd have enough to get the job done but at the same time you're missing arguably your two most important defensive players it's not ideal but as I said, it was going to happen at some point, and we just got to hope that you know one of two things happens: either we don't get any further cases, which you know luck has to be on your side there, or potentially that um, you know the, maybe the league is postponed for a couple of weeks given the the amount of games that are being cancelled. But I mean, those the lads out. It was the best team we, we could have put out, I felt. I mean, there was obviously some questions in the midfield. Would it be Ox? Would it be Keita? Would it be Milner? I actually thought maybe he'd go with Milner to, to play it a little more safe. But, you know, it's it's always good to see the manager being positive with with his lineup. And I, I thought Ox did okay. No, great, great. And what about you, Havinda? I mean, your thoughts on uh, the team lineup? I mean, you know, Virgil van Dijk is out and it's just so great having maybe a player like Konate who can step in as well. The fact that we do have options in defence now, you know, um, but the Fabinho one, you know, two defensive players. I mean, talk to me. How did you feel about that? And uh, just the whole situation with regarding COVID. I mean, I I with, don't uh, have yeah. I don't with, have any with. info, but it, I think there might be a circuit break or something. It looks like it might go that way. So... This is how my sentiments have been for the last few days. And um, they may not be the same as everybody else's, but this, this is me. I, I'll own anything I say right now. Number one, in regards to will things get locked down, will things get shut down and circuit breakers and whatnot, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. We have a government which has a heavy mandate around, or sorry, a, ha- a heavy push, not mandate, should I say, or on people being vaccinated and getting vaccinated and so on and so forth. So what I think we will see is more of a push towards um, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and where you can and cannot go. The, the liberties associated with that um, are not for discussion by myself because this is not the right pod for it. It's not the right forum for it, really. Um, but I think it's going to go that way. Um, with regards to football circuit breakers and so on and so forth, truly, until it starts crippling 50% of a team or more, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. It needs to be more widespread. Like, you can see there's been points where Chelsea have had three to four players outright, but they've still fielded a team. Uh, and others have done similar, whereby... Other teams who've been decimated by five, six, seven almost. Nine the other day, I think, was one of the teams, right? Where, and they were still being ordered to play kind of thing. And some other teams weren't. So the Premier League has got a bit of a folly here in respect to how they're dishing out the rules. Um, and they're not... Is it any joke? Is it? Is anybody not thinking... Oh, sorry. How can I put this correctly? Let's start again. It, does anybody seem surprised about the fact that the Premier League are inconsistent in this? I'm not. So... No. I don't think there's going to be a circuit breaker of sorts. Um, if they want to do anyone a favour, stop the Carabao Cup matches. Genuinely, stop the Carabao Cup matches. You'll get your natural break of a week. Yeah, um, or, or four or five days at least to get things out of the system. Um, with regards to people who tested positive day from our camp, Gags had told me a little bit earlier, like when the news started breaking about Fab, sorry, about um, VVD and... Curtis Jones, I was like, oh, okay, shit happens kind of thing. And around seven o'clock, she messaged me saying, bad positive too. My response was, oh, fuck off. Quite literally was that, oh, fuck off. Because it's like, oh my God, you know, like you think, yeah, okay, you could do without VVD. Yeah. yeah, but both, you know, you know, again, both of them kind of thing. And I was like, no, 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 I don't really want this to happen. Um, but it's happened. We are where we are. They've had lateral flow tests, obviously, because from what I could tell and what I've read is that those have come back positive. So they've gone from, they're waiting for the test, the PCR results. But that tells me it's, it's definitely had, had to be positive from a lateral flow. So let's see what the PCR test, it may well be that we get lucky. And, you know, in the case of this, it's um, the PCR is negative and the lateral flow was positive, um, which is great. You know what, that'd be good news. Um, or it may well be that they are uh, they have tested positive for COVID, and let's hope that the effects for them are mild because they're both vaccinated, I believe. And things carry on. They'll be isolated. They'll get fit again. They'll rejoin the squad in time for Chelsea, but I believe, probably. For Chelsea away. Um, but let's see. Let's see what happens. I mean, I can't predict what the Premier League will do. I can't even predict what I want to happen because my, my, most fans, I just want to keep on going to football matches. They're outside, they're outdoors. The nonsense that came out from one of the um, people, I think it was a... Someone, I can't believe it was someone from the NHS. I just don't know who she was. But what she turned around and said was that, you know, people should just stop going to football matches. Well, no, really, because if they, if they introduced a COVID protocol like they thought about way back when, when Liverpool were playing this the first time round for the return of, of um, fans to stadiums, then all they'll do is go straight to seat mode. So they'll stop congregation within concourses and they'll go straight to seat because then you're outdoors. 
the virus doesn't have a very healthy lifespan of living outdoors. Uh, it's like nanoseconds, if that, or you know, less than that even. So fuck off. Honestly, you know what? People just need to think about how this plays out for football teams, the Premier League and television. Because at the end of the day, what's going to cause anything to stop here is going to be money. They won't give a shit about general public health. They never have, really. It, yeah, it's just not going to happen in that manner. I think money will take will dictate and all that they will do is tighten the rules to who can attend versus who can't. No, absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, like football behind closed doors was like soulless. Yeah, completely. It's absolutely shit. Even when it was 10,000 fans. I mean, I don't know what the 4,000 fan experience was like because it was local fans only, right? Um, because of geography. And that's understandable. It wasn't a case of locals versus out of town. I think nonsense is stupid that people can make up on the internet because they're 18 and they have nothing better to do. Um, it was just about geography. But when it was 10,000 people and we could go, it wasn't completely soulless, but it just doesn't feel, it did not feel the same at all. I, mean, I was lucky to be one of the 10,000 that could attend the Crystal Palace match. It really didn't feel the same. Versus like when it was the first day of the season, it was a full crowd. It was like, wow. You know, like the first home match, it was just like, yes, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we needed. Yeah, we really need that kind of injection into our veins in respect to a Liverpool crowd. Um, and we're playing so well. And this team, you know what, it, it's like Superman. You know, it needs the fans to get its boost. If it doesn't have the fans, it's like kryptonite. So I'm all for fans in stadium right now, especially Liverpool fans. Absolutely. I think it definitely, definitely just... It just brings some kind of, like, normality back, you know? Um, But, yeah, we'll have to just see how, how this goes. I mean, like you said, they don't really give a shit about the fans. It's all about the money and, and the you know, the, the, the money from the television deals, et cetera, et cetera. And, Carl, I'll come back to you. I have a question. I, I don't think anyone wants to join us on the call. So I have a question from Chris Singh. He goes, can't call in. I'm at the gym. This is what I love about Liverpool supporters with all over the world. You know, um, uh, somebody's enjoying a gym session. It's late and it's cold and it's miserable here and I'm cooped up nice and warm. But he has a question. So, Carl, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, uh, he's at the gym, but how about Konate doing his best VVD impression tonight? Newcastle attackers, bracket soul attacker, laughing emoji, had no chance. Thoughts on his performance tonight? I mean, Carl, I think every time I've seen him play, I've not been watching an awful lot of Liverpool, as everyone knows. Um, but every time I've seen him, he's massively impressed. And, you know, when VVD was out and I saw Konate's name, it kind of gave me some kind of assurance because... Every time he's come in, he's looked pretty good and pretty decent. And I felt like when the game sort of started, you know, there was like maybe like just I don't think him and Matip have played together this season. So I felt like it just took a little moment for them to, to kind of get some kind of chemistry going between them. They were he wasn't awful, don't get me wrong, they were not awful, but they he just got better and better and better as the game progressed. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I, I think maybe in the first 20 minutes, there was kind of maybe some teething problems between yeah. the, the two as a duo. And I also felt that Kanate maybe dove in a couple of times needlessly, which isn't something you really see with our centre-backs. They're very controlled in, in terms of when they go to ground. You know, Virgil will only go to ground if he, he really needs to. But I think then he, he massively grew as the game went on. And, you know, he, he was one of the standout performers on the night for, for me personally. Yes. I mean, he's just 
he's he's inhuman really i mean i don't know how anyone can be so big and so quick <laughs> it's like it, it, it's like if you combined the the speed of usain bolt with the the man mountain that was papa booba diop you know it's, it's bizarre <laughs> uh but he's he's just it's it's great that he, he is this inhuman because it's so useful to have a player that can can outpace uh, you know a lot of forwards and then kind of use this frame to just shield the ball so effectively. It, it must be, you can see the frustration on the opposition players' faces when they're trying to get around them because it's it's just impossible. But I, I do feel like every we're, we're not seeing them get quite a run of games because it is difficult to get in when you've got uh, Virgil van Dijk and, and Joel Matt up there. But he's getting more and more games as the, the season goes on. You know, Klopp, his trademark is kind of easing players in, and I, I feel we're seeing that. But I, I think we're seeing some some real improvement with Kanate, and it'll be really interesting to see on the the back end of the season who the preferred duo is going to be because Joel Matip's also having a, a great season so far. Um, but I mean that's a great headache to have when you're you're picking between the the three of them, and, and not to count out Joe Gomez, who himself obviously now back from injury is another option. It's uh, I just wish we had that depth in some other areas. Absolutely, absolutely. And Harinda, your thoughts on, on Konate's performance. And it's just lovely to have that kind of player on the bench, isn't it? Knowing that, hey. In, indeed, it is. Yeah. I was picking up on Carl's point there in respect to which way will it go with regards to who partners VVD. The answer will be shown at the Champions League final. Ooh. That's the way to look at it, right? Perfect way to decide. Oh, <laughs> That's that's the way to decide. Whoever whoever makes it to the Champions League final to partner VVD is the one that will be there probably for the start of the season. Um, leaving the future aside for a second, um, with Kanate, the way I look at it is like this: I don't see or feel anything that he did bad. I didn't look at the match in a way that went to me and was, oh shit, Kanate, don't do that. Oh fuck, look what he's done there. So. Having a defender who defends and you don't sit there and think, how is he playing or what's he done? Hey, oh my God, don't do that. It's possibly one of the best uh, reviews you can give somebody. They're there at the match. They're doing their job and they're functioning. They're doing exactly what you want of them. And it's great. You know, that's like the way, um, not Fraser, it was uh, Isaac Hayden kind of lay on him um, to show his affection for something. And, you know, Kanata is hurt. I was like, oh shit. He's, he's like landed awkwardly upon his knee. I was like, oh man, don't get hurt, don't be hurt, don't be hurt, don't be hurt. And you see him getting up and running around, and then he's literally just taken out um, San Maxima with a knee into his butt. Yeah, it looked like that. It looked like what he that seemed to be the clash that had happened. And after that, San Maxima wasn't the same, which I was like, fucking brilliant. You know, like, can I take and you do it to some more players? I thought it was great. You know, I I genuinely enjoy watching watching him play. He's very, very strong. United away in the 5-0, he was amazing. Yeah, he took the absolute piss out of Bruno Fernandes and everything else around him at that point in time because he just seemed to tower like as if he was a foot taller than everybody else around him. It was brilliant. Um, and his stature is such is that he's only going to get better. It's only going to be for the better Liverpool that we have. Such a well-stopped central defensive pairing that can, can alternate. You know, and when we do need to use Kanate, we can use Kanate. If he does come in, shouldn't um, something happen to Matip? Fantastic. Um, speaking of Matip, though, I did miss the marauding run. 
today. We didn't see the long legs go out like a giraffe um, from the defence into midfield, into the attacking area of sorts. Yeah, he kind of just left it out today. I don't know why. I don't. I didn't miss it though. Maybe because VVD wasn't there. <laughs> Maybe VVD eggs him on. I mean, just on your point about um, Konate getting better there, um, Willology just said, incredible to think that, you know, Ibrahima Konate is only 22 as well. So much scope to get even better. Just, just, that's scary and frightening, isn't it? It is. I mean, do you know any other 22-year-old defenders who play like that in the Premier League? I don't. I can't think of anyone who comes to mind. United's pairing is old. Chelsea's pairing is old. City's pairing is kind of oldish, if you think about it. And then they make it up in regards to how great the person is, or they rely on commentary to tell you how brilliant. Um, what who's that? Who's that? A central defender that they think is like VVD, the one who had a really shit tournament. And yeah, um, yes. that's the one. That's the one. Diaz. Yeah, then come on, guys. Right, he's a good. He's an okay defender. Possibly borderline good, but is he in the greatness of EVD? Is he fuck? You know, so we don't have to make up shit about our defenders right now. We have three very, very good defenders, and any one of them can play at any moment in time, and it's great. And that hasn't broken yet either. You know, I've said that I touch every piece of wood around me, and then I'm looking for more wood to touch. There is, you know, I don't want anything to happen to Matty. But it's great to have that feeling and comfort. Yeah, because this time last year, we were going towards our bare bones of defence. And, you know, December happened, we go into January, and it was absolutely fucking shit. Yeah, so we're not at that mercy right now, thank God. And hopefully it stays that way as well with the rest of our players. And it's a nice feeling to have a change. It really is, because you look around in regards to people either impacted by COVID or by injury, or things that are happening to other teams, and it's good that it's not happening to us for a change. No, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know what? Um, let's carry on talking about this game. And Carl, I'm going to come back to you. So um, I guess where we need to talk about now is um, we, we concede a goal. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I guess you could say, you know, it came from like maybe a Thiago kind of error. You you fully anticipated John Joe Shelby to do what John Joe Shelby does. He always has a Zidane moment against Liverpool. You know, he always has. And um and then I, I can't think which season it was he scored against us. And then he gave away the ball and we, we scored and it was a deja vu for him today. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can't think of the match either, but I'm actually it certainly rings a bell. I can I can Almost picture his face, but can't think of who who uh, who it was against. But it is funny that it swings and roundabouts, as they say. Um, yeah, T- Thiago was a bit loose, particularly in the first half. Um, you know, we we can, given how crisp a passer he is, we we can allow him an off day. Um, you know, I'd say nine times out of ten, he he hooks that clear, but just unfortunate that that he passes it directly into the path of Shelby, who takes a couple touches and then um, unleashes a a wonderful shot. I mean, I I, I like to watch John Joe Shelby. You know, I have to say, he's one of those players in in the league that as long as he's not against Liverpool, because and unfortunately he tends to to deliver the goods against us. Um, but he 
he's a fun watcher when he's on it and because he does have incredible technique and and at times when you're watching him you're kind of like if maybe if he'd been just the right manager to put an arm around him at, at Liverpool you know maybe we would have seen something special there because th- there is a lot of talent but you know as I said on the front end of the show obviously I was disappointed with the mistake I'm disappointed to concede you you always are I think that should be the the way as a, as a Liverpool fan but I, I wasn't too concerned um that, that was the end of the match for us in any sense because Newcastle were very open I mean the the way in which they were defending was completely head scratching like I I don't know how I know Eddie Howe isn't used to setting up a team to defend yeah. he, he always do you think it was largely due to the fact that obviously they scored and then I think it was Jamal Lewis who had to be subbed off do you think that kind of changed them up a little I mean I, di- I did think they were threatening to begin with but I, f- I felt like as soon as that happened, um, we kind of like just started just playing better. Maybe the the one the the conceding of the goal made us a little bit angry. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think they those two things certainly played a part. Um, I mean, obviously Jamal Lewis has good pace. Matt Ritchie mm. doesn't. Um, dealing with Salah is hard, even if you have pace. Let alone if you don't. So I think that opened things up somewhat down there left side. Um, and also, I do think Liverpool were annoyed with themselves for conceding the goal and, the, and they did step it up and that, that was evident. But I do think for personally, the the evidence was there kind of from the offset that the, the way in which Newcastle were defending so deep, they were inviting Liverpool into the box and then relying on kind of last ditch defending and you know, they're not good enough defenders to do that. And you should never have your team set up in that way because it is just riding your luck. And in fairness, Eddie Howe, I think he pushed them up in the second half somewhat and their shape was far better and they were kind of driving us wide and, and kind of defending their box. And therefore we, we had a lot less joy. We obviously dropped the ball as well and we'll, we'll come on to that. But I do think Newcastle were their their own worst enemy in the first half today because you know d- despite the goal they they did themselves no favors and they they didn't set themselves up for success in in any way. No, they absolutely didn't. I mean, Harinda, have you got anything to add on that? And then we'll talk about the Liverpool goals. No, not from my side. I mean, as I said. Sure, did this Becky fucking celebration after scoring against us, and I was so pissed off at that point in time. So I don't want this match to be like that because I know we've done it in the Champions League, but isn't this the first Premier League match this season where we've gone behind first and come back and won? I think you might be right. So it's, it's nice to get that bogey off our chest. Yeah, it is um, absolutely. Yeah, it really is. And and other than that, what did Newcastle do? Genuinely, they had one kind of like flurry of of, of a moment where, what was it, Fraser? It was through almost, and then Trent absolutely times it to perfection to take to nick the ball away from him. Yeah, and from everything I've read while have we been on this pod, um, Jermaine Genius is still crying about that. Yeah, I'd like to say to him, Jermaine Jeans, you're a fucking grown-ass man. Sort your shit out. Shut the fuck up. Stop bitching, stop moaning. You steal a living commentating and being a pundit. And you get to go on the one show. 
that's fantastic for you, but you still have a fucking gobshite opinion about football. Why can't you just shut the fuck up on football? Why can't you do the nation a service and are genuinely stop commentating? Stop watching football even because you're fucking shit. There you go. Joe Cole can get the fuck as well. Take him along with you, Jermaine. There. Here, here. Here, here. Right, guys, we're just going to take a quick break. Stay tuned, enjoy the ads, and we'll be back shortly. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Welcome back. Um, We're still talking about the Liverpool win over Newcastle and um, I'm still joined by Harinda and Carl. There are no callers, but we'll carry on talking about the game. Carl, I'll come straight back to you and um, Liverpool's response. I mean, it was kind of scrappy, but Diogo Jota, my word, um, it's so good to have um, strikers, um, you know, so informed, uh, doing the business. I mean, he's had he's had a bit of an interesting one because he's he absolutely had a bit of a I don't know, I'm not gonna call it a stinker, but he had that wild miss against oh god, who did we beat? One nil now. Um Wolves, that's it, yeah, that's it. You know these games, I swear down, I'm I'm everywhere, yeah. Um but to see him just shoot, goalkeeper blocks it and then he's he's back on the rebound. I mean, incredible. And in that moment you literally take a ball, a goal, you know, from a player's arse. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was a a strange incident. You you don't see it. The Newcastle players kind of clear each other out, and then one of them seems to hold his head. Then when he sees Liverpool have the ball, well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that. But I mean, Jota doesn't care what's going on around him. He just wants the ball and he wants to put it in the back of the net. You know, he tries obviously with his head at first. Keeper palms it out to him, and then who's there but Jota to, to poke at home. I mean, he is he, he could have easily had a hat-trick in the first half with the, the positions he found himself in. I mean, he's just so lively in and around the box. And as you said, he, he did have an off day against his former team, Wolves. But uh, I recall, obviously, the, the following game then against Villa, you know, he came off the bench and it felt like he, he made a difference, you know, being that extra body in and around the box and giving the Villa defenders more to think about and that that's what he does even when he's not scoring he's dragging defenders left right and center he's just he's a complete fox in the box and it's just great to have him there as i talked about him uh, the last time i was on the show like that it's just so great that he's been able to come in there and, and shake up that that front three and give us something different yeah and the last time you won he scored a, a wonderful goal against everton right 
Indeed he did. Yes, and then he has that miss against Wolves. I mean, Harinda talked to me about um, Diogo Jota and then all three of us will have a little chit-chat about the head injury. But go on, talk to us about the goal. I think it was just sheer relief, wasn't it? And then from that moment, I thought, yes, we, we march on now. Because I felt like the longer it stayed at 1-0, maybe something creeps in into the team. Um, I think he was on fire a little bit, right? Jota. Today. Mm. And clearly he's got a bee in his bonnet. And his awareness is fantastic. You know, I, I, I remember the goal against, I think it was Chelsea where he heads it at a similar kind of range, but obviously the ball came from the other side. Um, but his durability to score is fantastic. Head, leg, knee, anything. I'm sure one day he's going to backside into the goal. Yeah, and that versatility I love about him. I really, really do. And he's a pain. You know, you can see it when, you, when you're watching a match live at Anfield or away. You can see how much of a pain he is to defenders. Like, they really get frustrated by him because he just always on them all the time. Yeah, it's like relentless. This thing is just buzzing around. It's just waiting, 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 waiting. Uh, it's just fabulous. Really, really, he's such a beauty. Um, he's such a beautiful player to watch, in respect to how he goes about his um, his task at hand. Um, I don't know what else to really say about his goal, other than the fact that obviously really pissed off most of the Newcastle fan base globally, including Jermaine Genius. Fantastic. Pissing off some more. Fucking go and shove some chips down Alan Shearer's throat while you're at it, mate. You know, take the whole lot of the fuckers out. Because let's face it, you know what, with, with Newcastle, there's this, this degree of entitlement based on absolutely nothing. It really is. They're, they're a big supported club. They're not a big club. There's a big difference in that. I apologise to Newcastle fans who see things otherwise. I also apologise to my friend... Vahid, who's a, a big Newcastle fan. But I think deep down they know this. You're a big supported club, you're not a big club. Yeah, and I there's a big difference. Fair. I think that's fair. And we'll, um, uh, we'll talk about... They're your... also a big stomach club. But they didn't show the big stomachs out today. No, they didn't. Maybe they've been retired. You know, or they kept their tops on, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, like, yeah. And the fact that they've been bought by, you know, who they've been bought by, like, it would give me great joy to see them go down, you know, like, because they've lost that, that maybe that little bit of charm that maybe they had, like, you know, because I think some of their fans got a bit like, yay, we're no longer owned by, like, Mike Ashley and, like, look what you've got. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, whatever. And all that money now is is disgusting. Okay, Carl, um, uh, I mean, they're talking about the head injuries and, you know, theatrics. And um, I have a, um, apparently we missed all this because we jumped straight on the pod. But um, Jim Boardman, I retweeted him. Eddie, apparently, Eddie Howe was complaining about a danger um, as one of his players was down in the box when Liverpool got one of their three goals. And, you know, Jim Boardman's response to that is, if he was genuinely worried about the player's safety, why was the player kept on when he was, according to Howe? dazed for four or five minutes after 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 the incident or after the game I think it's after the game but yeah surely if your player suffers a head injury you 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 100% take the the precautions right you do I feel like that's just a piss poor excuse now it's like clutching at something and you know and I heard the commentators or somebody saying you know I don't know people saying like kick the ball out of play why would Liverpool kick the ball out of play when they're a goal down and they're attacking 
Yeah, I mean, to me, the whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, as I said, on the face of it, it it seemed like simulation to me. But even shoving that aside, I don't think Liverpool can be blamed for poor sportsmanship. It it all happened in a matter of seconds. You know, you're in the middle of a football game. There's adrenaline. You're you're not really paying attention to what's going on. I I joked about Jota only having eyes for the ball. But I mean, that's any professional footballer. And in that split second, they're going to be focused on, on the game. I mean, players go to the ground all the time throughout a game and you don't poke it out every single time. I mean, the game would be awful to watch if if players did. I mean, I don't think you can point the finger at Liverpool. I mean, the ref, if, you know, he'd seen it and, and had thought it was a head injury, maybe the finger can be pointed at him. But as I said, personally, I, I don't think it was a head injury. And I mean, I don't think Newcastle can complain much about thinking about their, their players' welfare when they watch St. Maximin hop around the, the, the pitch on one foot and then decided to have a, a five-minute discussion on whether they should take him off or not. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not really buying that from now. I mean, the, I, I rant coming on. They're fucking Eddie Howe. I mean, come on. With with the whole thing and this head clash nonsense, right, and the headache and the fakeness of it all, Advil, don't do it, fake it for the reason time when you want to really fake it, all that kind of fucking bollocks. Sorry for the swearing first and foremost, but it just gets from my Billy Goat's gruff. Quite literally. What the fuck is wrong with you? What do you expect players to do in that instance? What do you expect them to do? If the boot was on the other foot, every other fucking fan base out there would be going, oh yeah, great, good that it happened to Liverpool. So fuck them. There you go. Simple as that. Simple as you that. don't know this as well. You know, you know exactly what would happen if it was, the boot was on the other foot. If Newcastle had done this, if it was Liverpool players who were down and Newcastle went and scored, the whole world would be celebrating them. The whole world would. And every other shitty fan base associated with it. So fuck it. Do you know what? We've seen enough shitty incidents happen against us over the years. And in this one, they got caught. They genuinely got caught. Yeah. There wasn't a head clash. Someone's knee went into someone's back and stuff like that, and they fall over, and it's like, oh, oh my god, I'm hurt, kind of thing. Because they knew they were exposed. They thought, oh, if we stay down, it'll be okay. They tried it. They got caught, and they got punished. Fantastic. Maybe other teams will learn a lesson here and look at it and think, maybe we don't fuck about and don't cheat and don't try and mess with the system because we're going to get punished. So let's not try and do that when we go to Liverpool. So many teams over the years have had fucking gobshite decisions to go in their favour um, and go against us. And then they go and celebrate it. Like I said, they want a pissing trophy over it. Fuck off. Genuinely. Sorry. Own your shit, Newcastle. You fucked up. We capitalised. End of story. Move on. Right. Yeah, um, I think loads of people are really, really pissed off and I think they're really pissed off with the fact that people in the goal shouldn't have stood and people are slagging off Mike Dean and like, you know, but why, if he's not blown the whistle, why should the players stop playing or kick the ball? It just don't make any sense. It's it's literally clutching at straws. I think, you know, even though whatever happened, I still think Liverpool were the better team. Liverpool deserved to win. And Harinda, I'm going to stick with you because that man, Mo Salah, I think he's equaled Vardy's... Um, 
goal and assist record. Goal and assist record. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah. I, I hope mean, he makes it to 16, 17, 18, 19, just yeah. to obliterate Mardi Vardy's record. Seriously. Because it, anyone holding that record other than Jamie Vardy is a good thing for football. Agreed. It really is. And Mo Salah is a beautiful bastard. The man is in a different league to everybody else. And his goal-scoring trajectory must be on track for the 40-plus goal season, 17-18, if not more. You know, um, the fifth pro team chose not to have him in. How can you leave him out? How? Like, genuinely, how can you leave Mo Salah out? You know, he does, the great thing I think about Mo Salah here is that for all the plaudits that he deserves and everyone comes up with the only Mo Salah stat because of it, you know, and he, all the things he doesn't get, it doesn't make you weigh him down. It doesn't, he doesn't walk around with a chip on his shoulder thinking, oh, you know what, shit, I should have got this, I should have got that. The man just delivers nonetheless, walks onto the pitch, owns it, does what people can't do, i.e. owns his shit and scores or sets up and assists. It's fucking brilliant. You know what? We are watching a player in his prime who has a lack of ego and is so down to earth and is just a joy to behold. He really is. I mean, I've been going to football matches now for the last 20 years or so. I've been going to Anfield on a more than a regular occurrence as a season ticket holder for over half of them now. And I've not seen anything else like him. I've not. I've seen a lot of players. I've taken his hand on heart. I haven't seen anything else like Mo Salah. Just the grace, the humility, and the capability as a complete package. Hands down, the best for me. I'll come to you. I mean, we always talk about him as being an all-time great for Liverpool, and I think the numbers don't lie. Um, just you know, just him just showing up at the right place at the right time. I mean, one thing I love about most lies, he can have a quiet game, and he'll still pr- produce the goods. And you know, just how good is he? And I find it so shocking that he was sixth best in the world or or seventh best in the world in the Ballon d'Or which is just totally totally messed up in my humble opinion but in terms of when we talk about all-time greats I mean are we going to be talking about Mosla because I feel like we should be in years to come yeah I mean racking my brain there to, to think of other players in, in my time um, you know obviously Gerard Suarez come to mind but I, I do think when all is said and done and we're, we're sitting down and looking back I, I do think Mo is going to be top of that pile and possibly how much he's won is, is going to come into question that, that I think that's all, always a thing I think um, it's something that Roy Keane likes to say is when people are talking about great players but people are he likes to point it but what have they won what have they won obviously he's in that privileged position having won a lot as as Man United's captain in the past it's a good job but, really because he's a really really shit manager <laughs> 
But I mean, it, it. I think well, that that shouldn't be the be all and end all. You know, you have to commend players who who maybe stick with their team, even though their team might not be winning things. And you know, that's not to say Gerard and Suarez didn't win. They obviously Suarez has gone elsewhere and won a lot of things. But I do think that has to come into the to it somewhat. So I think that that's a point in Salah's favor. But even shoving that aside, I do think he's just such a special player and, and they were special players too but I just think he's he's that level above it I don't think there was ever a stage maybe one season where Suarez maybe came into that Messi Ronaldo conversation mm-hmm. but that aside Salah's in that conversation you know up there with the, the top top players you know with not so much Ronaldo these days but still Messi with Mbappe with like he Kevin De Bruyne he's always up there as a question for the best player and, and he's certainly not the sixth best player as, as we, we've we've all said at this point um, he's just incredible and I mean he's the you know fans of, of a certain age talk about Kenny Dalglish and how great Kenny, Kenny Dalglish was and obviously I'm too young to really yeah. experience him but and I feel like years from now, when I have a son and he's in his teens, I, I'm going to be talking about how Mo Salah, you know, what a player he was. I, I just think he he is in that bracket. You know, he's, he's one of those players that's going to be timeless, and is we're always going to talk about him in a in a red shirt. I think you're right. And, you know, and I absolutely hope, like Harinda said, he absolutely smashes that record. Carl, I'm going to stick with you because I felt like in the first half, we just seemed to have more and more control. I felt like we started looking really, really decent. And and then the second half kind of started. And I, obviously, like, I, I have no idea what was going on, but... I, I felt like just before Jurgen Klopp makes the subs, like a tw- about, I'd say about 15 minutes before that, I felt like we, I don't know, took the foot off the gas, looked a bit sleepy. I was getting a little bit nervous, like, oh my God, please don't mess this up. I felt like we were a little complacent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we certainly took the, the foot off the gas. It's, it's mm. hard to deny that. Um, there was a real hunger and desire in the first half. Even after we went to, to one up, it looked like we were looking for the third. And I expected us to come out straight out of the traps and, and look for that third and kill the game off. But we didn't. I mean, you have to give some credit to Newcastle, as I touched on earlier. They did get their shape better in the second half. They were defending their box rather than sitting in their box and fighting us into it which is key but still I, I would have expected more from us I, I think oftentimes times when we we were getting forward that the final ball was was very poor um, and we we just weren't creating chances and at the other end Newcastle did have some some joy with both St. Maximin and, and Fraser getting a, a couple of breaks each it, it, aside from the phrase when they didn't really come to anything, but at the same time, you you don't really want to see uh, them getting that many chances in. I mean, Wolves and they probably had more half chances than than Wolves and Villa did have mm. combined, and that is you you don't want to be seeing that. You know, you want to see us comfortable and on top and and looking for that third goal. So it wasn't an enjoyable kind of opening to the, to the second half, but as you alluded to, I I think the the subs certainly changed something. I think particularly Kada seemed to inject a a bit of 
bit of oomph into our play as as the second half progressed. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I th- I thought, I mean, Harinda, I mean, talked to me just about the subs as well because bold move by Jurgen Klopp. You need a goal. I know it's two one, but we just needed that other goal. And you're like, wow, he's actually taking off more Salah. You know, the guy that will literally, you know, if you're if you're like banking on anyone to score a goal, it is going to be more Salah. But having said that, today I thought Sadio Mane looked really good as well. Today I felt like he was his usual physical self. I was quite impressed I with think the attack. Sadio, you know what? Start- on the slide, Sadia is getting back to what he used to yes. do in yes. regards to getting into the box and bursting, getting past that last player. Mm. So there was that kind of iffy period in going from October into early November yes. where he was trying it and it looked lethargic and it looked a bit lackadaisical at times. And then sort of around the Wolves match, give or take, um, and, and things around it, he just came to come back into life. Yeah, he looks know? up for it uh, again, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely does look up for it. Really, really does. And my desire now is that he carries on in that vein. And with regards to Mo's substitution, I just presume it's managing minutes, right? I get why Mo's frustrated a little bit in regards to thinking, yep, you know, I'm a goal scorer, I can get another goal. And he's on a hot streak. So obviously he wants to carry that on. But if Klopp is listening, as we say, to the sports scientists that tell him, you know what, at this moment in time, He's the player to take off, and he's doing it. Carry on, mate. That's what I say. Absolutely. Mo, and, um, Mo, and, Mo, get over it. Yeah, absolutely. It was good to see Bobby Firmino back and hearing his song. And I think, as Carl just said there as well, I felt like the we the the Naby Keita substitute kind of changed us. I felt like there was a bit more urgency in the attack. I noticed that he was this like doing the old school thing. You see how yeah, he just drives to the channel. Yep. Any little gap that you see, just like you know, suddenly you see the gap, and then. He's just gone five, ten yards ahead of that gap as well. And you're like, well, okay. Um, and it reminds you of that burst of speed that he's actually got um, and intelligence as well. And he hit a few, you never know. Like, one could have gone in. Who knows what would have happened. Um, the ricochet of Bobby's thigh as well could have gone anywhere. Yeah, just end up in the back of the net so I didn't get to use my selfie. This could be the last season that I get to use that for a while or maybe the next season. Who knows when it comes to Bobby or any of the front three with the way that our, um, our ownership can be at times. But my sentiment is is that with the substitutions, I don't read too much into who, what, when, where, how. I just look at it like this. People need to come off the pitch. We need to change something. We wanted something a bit more dynamic and driving. Naby Kankers gave us that. We wanted to have a goal threat and a goal presence. Bobby Firmino gives us that. You know, this time last year, he scored when we were one all in a match that we started off by losing because we fucked up in the midfield and um, his first goal to go was it Hussong Min, right? He scored for them a year I ago today. You, I, I lost you on sound there. Oh, sorry. Um, we, we played Tottenham this time last year. Mm. Yeah, we fucked up in the midfield or so. Like, gave a, it gave a free kick or something really ridiculous and all you saw was Hussong Min running and then scoring. And um, this was this time last year, so they went one in the head. Then we equalised, and Bobby Fumina scored a belter of a header to get a winner. So, you know, he's got in his locker, if he comes off the bench, or anything in his locker, really, to possibly get your goal. So, I get, again, why Mo was upset, but I wasn't upset with the substitution. It's not in any shape or form. I think they're at the right time. Um, and Spurs realised this, sorry, Newcastle realised this as well, because like, there was a passage of play from around the 69th, 70th minute odd until the 81st or so, where they just couldn't get the ball. 
we, it wasn't going out of play, and Canate was brilliant at sideline to prevent it from going out of play. You know, everyone would have thought, yeah, that's it, it's going, it's going. He's like, no, not today. It's not going out of play. We're going to keep the pressure on you and, and put you under the cosh a bit. And, you know, the substitutions are made. Five, ten minutes after, um, after that, we keep on with the pressure. And then by the 85th minute, Trent does what he does. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, Carl, I'm going to come back to you. And, you know, you spoke about Naby Keita's performance there and, you know, just how that his his involvement um kind of brought on some kind of urgency. Another thing I kind of noticed as well was we were pressing them in their half, trying to force them into mistakes and stuff. And I felt like, and again, you know, with, with Naby Keita and Bobby Firmino on there, I felt like they, you know, where the back, where the back four maybe looked a little bit more settled, even though they, it was 2-1, they, you know, they were holding quite a good line. But I felt like we were trying to force them in, in, into bother and and even their midfielders. And I love that we were pressing in numbers. Yeah, I mean, the, the commentators early on in the second half were complimenting how Newcastle were starting to, to play out from the back and, and they were looking comfortable. And, and they were. We, we, we weren't really putting them under that much pressure. You know, the result of Mane is is always going to press but I think Mane aside maybe the, the pressing wasn't quite there for a spell and when you look at the bench who on the bench are you going to associate with pressing it's Naby Keita and Bobby Firmino the, the, the two who are probably most infamous for nicking the ball high up the field and, and turning it into to a scoring opportunity and they did that today. I think it maybe took Bobby five or so minutes to get into it. You know, clearly he's just back from injury, but I think Naby yeah. from the off, he was so, so lively. And he, we've seen that this season, you know, he's, he's looked a, a lot fitter and sharper than, than maybe he did last season. And it, it's, it's great to see because he can be so dangerous. Just one split second and he's on you as an opposition player he's got the ball and then he's looking to to slide in that that his that little intricate true ball to, to Salah or Mane cutting in from the the flanks and it, it, it was it's just such a, a great option to have and I think it, it gave Newcastle something to, to think about and they then retreated somewhat and it allowed Liverpool to, to regain a foothold in, in the game and uh, I think that foothold is ultimately what led to the goal from Trent obviously that that's the other three points so I think it's a great introduction from the bench for for Naby and and it's just fantastic to have him back because obviously we've we've been a little short in midfield of late so we we need those options absolutely absolutely and Carl I'm gonna stick with you and I guess what we've got to do is we've got to talk about I mean we saw a few long-range shots from you know the likes of Naby Keita etc etc Trent Alexander-Arnold, Escalza scoring in front of the cop. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people comparing it to a Gerard-esque kind of situation, which is fair, but Trent Alexander-Arnold, my word, that that lad is so special, so talented, and what a goal. It was an absolute thunderbolt as I said yes. I mean, it, it felt like it almost ripped the net off the back of the posts it, it was it's insane how much power he got and with that said fair play to Dubravka for actually getting fingertips to that because I, I don't know how he managed that because it was so much power really well placed impossible to save ultimately it, it's just insane and uh, as as we said on the front end just the 
the relief because it was you know you were you were starting to think oh this this it's getting tied to the end this this is when Newcastle had a bit of joy last season um so it's fair play to to Trent for stepping up and and striking the ball when when we needed it to, him to ultimately I mean and and for that reason I think that's another reason to to kind of draw the comparisons to Gerard because see he did that so many times for us in in the past um it's always nice to have a scouser in the team and it's it's especially nice to have one that can score goals and, and definitely goals like that. Absolutely. And and Arinda, I mean, it just came at the most perfect time, but just talk to me about that Trent Alexander Trent Alexander Arnold moment because special, special player, special goal and you know, thank you very much. It was a ball at the unexpected, right? Literally, he's there, he's outside the box, shuffle a bit, move a bit, okay. And then to hit it that cleanly, there was so much power. Um, I mean, if you were in the cop, all you would have seen is his leg move and the ball in the back of the net. You wouldn't have seen the trajectory at all. If I was sitting where I normally sit when I'm at Anfield, then I would have seen the trajectory and probably not the ball being hit. And I would have only seen the end of the trajectory because it would have hit the back of the net before I could have really rationalised what the fuck just happened there. Um, it's such a great goal. It is such a great goal. Just everything about it is that he hit it exactly where he wants to um, with with so much accuracy. And the, if you think about it, when you leather a football, hitting a ball hard is easy. Yeah, Controlling where it goes is really hard. Doing both is world-class, which is what? Trent Alexander-Arnold um, is. It's a world-class goal. If, if, let's say, any United players, let's say if Ronaldo have scored that, they fucking doing Sues, Reus, whatever fucking bollocks that they do and jump up and down, cause themselves a backache. They'll be doing that all week, all year. You know? That's seriously goal of the month competition right there, won by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Have you seen a better goal this so far in December that you can think of the top of your head? Not yet, no. Not yet, no. That is just it's just a blinding goal. As I said it's the power and the accuracy that makes that. And the fact that it was Trent Alexander Arnold, Scouser born and bred to do it, just makes it even more sweeter. Because again, I, I know people are saying this today because it's the kind of mood that I'm in a little bit. Other fan bases will now be cry asking about the fact that it wasn't one of their players doing it. Or you can actually realise that there'll be a fan bases out there. Should their player have done it, they'd make sure the whole world knew about it forever and a day. Our fan base goes, you know, it's Trent Alexander, that's what he does. Love him. Absolutely love him. Absolutely. And uh, no doubt, um, uh, I'm sure... Um... Andy Robertson will be watching that on loop, trying to get some um, hints and tips on on technique. And no doubt, if if the game against Spurs goes ahead, I'm I'm sure he'll fancy it himself. Maybe they've got a goal scoring rivalry going on now. Who knows, guys? I think we've pretty much come to the end of the show. Is there anything like you feel like needs a mention? Anything, uh, Carl, Harinda? Anything? Get it off your chest. Um, what needs mentioning? We won. 3-1. It's nice. We won. 3-1. Yep, I like it. What about you, Carl? Any player that you feel needs a special shout-out? Anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
I've been trying to. Th- I knew we were kind of winding down there, so I'm, I'm trying to nail down my my man of the match. So I suppose it's a good lead in to talk about who kind of stood out. You know, as we've already talked about it, I thought it was a good cameo from from Kada. Um, we I thought Kanade was really good. He, he grew into the game so much, and before long, you're, you 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 forgot that Van Dyke wasn't there, and and that's the greatest compliment I I could pay him and Matip is that. We didn't really miss Van Dyke on on the night. Um, I, you know, Salah wasn't his best game, but the magical moments are always there, and and that's what matters. Um, brilliant from first half from Jota, as I said, he he could have well had a hat trick. Didn't didn't quite go his way in the second half, but but nonetheless, he he put in the shift. Um, I mean, it it wasn't our. our best night i mean i think we we can all admit that yep. but at the same time it didn't need to be i mean we were always going to comfortably beat that newcastle side and i think it summed it up that the commentators must have mentioned they're waiting for january at least 20 times during the 90 minutes i mean it's a sad state of affairs when all the commentators can say about your team is that you're waiting for the january transfer window it really is, it really is. And um, you know what, Carl, because you teed us up nicely, go on then, who's your man of the match? It, it, it's been close. You know, I've I've kind of back and forth between the, the two centre-halves and Trent. Um, but yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Kanate. You know, I, I think, as I said, the, the greatest compliment I can pay him is that, that I didn't really miss Van Dyke on the night. And... I think if if someone can make you feel that that you're not missing Virgil, they deserve a man of the match award. Yes, I think I think that's fair. I think that's really fair. Um, where were you last season, Kanate? You know, um, uh, no, I like that shout, and he's he's incredible. And I think a lot of people will probably agree with you on that one. And what about you, Havinda? Who's your man of the match? I don't know. You know. What? Carl makes a very compelling case there for Kanate. I had originally just thought the boring version, which is Salah, for his goal and the way that he played today. Um, I think it's amazing. But if I'm going to give it to anybody, given that I've waxed lyrical about how he scored the goal, then I've got to give it to Trent. I genuinely do. Because we were 2-1 up and we had a mo- we had a sustained period of pressure which hadn't led to a goal. And then... All the substitutions happen. So there's new, fresh personnel on the pitch. And he finds a space and he does that. Yeah, and, and the, a goal like that, no doubt in my mind, absolutely pierces not only the back of the net, but every little sinew of hope that any Newcastle fans or Newcastle United players have. And a great tackle as well today. Play. And yep. putting a great tackle, you know. So he, he had a good game today, to be fair. He did. So, yeah, I like, me. I like both of them shouts. They were both excellent. Guys, let us know your man of the match. Uh, tweet us, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. This is the end of this show. Thank you so much for everyone that joined us live on Discord. A massive thank you to everyone that's listening. And um, the biggest thank you to these two excellent gentlemen who have carried me on this podcast like they usually do but before I let them go I'm going to get some plugs so where you can find them on social media and you know do, do give them a follow because they're both excellent so uh Carl I'll come to you first where can people find you when you know will you be doing more podcasts because we like you on these shows 
Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at KMacOfTheCop. Um, as for plugs, I hesitate to make any because the last time I was on, I suggested that Guy and I would probably get a one-up and we haven't done that yet. So I'm going to err on the side of caution and say just, just keep an eye on the account and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get something out before long. I hope you do. I hope you do. Well, um, quite recently, um, Carl, my mum started playing, um, is it Grand Theft Auto? I don't play games. And, uh, you know, she's, she's a bit old and uh, she's a bit bad. And uh, someone called her an arsehole in the game, which I found hilarious. You know, one of the, one of the characters. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you might have a new listener to your show. Who knows? Uh, Harinda, what about you? Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And um, I'm sure you've got a show to plug. I have. Um, so for me, it's a case whereby you can find me at Harinda1977 on Twitter. Um, genuinely, I normally just retweet lots of shit or gifts or things like that or take the piss out of somebody. Nothing new there. Um, shows wise, well, of course, Desi, Christmas, you know, it's a tradition. It happens every year. So there's a pod about it. And of course, most Desi pods, especially when if you've ever listened to any of the previous ones and around Christmas, there's always a fight. And this time around, we discuss one of the questions that seems to always come out at Christmas with regards to whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. Hence Should the name get... of the pod being Desi Hard. Okay, can we just get Carl's um, answer on this real quick? Carl, Die Hard, Christmas movie or not? I think it's a Christmas movie. Uh, we, I mean, we don't need a debate. You just bet. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm with you on that one because don't set this one up. He will keep us on this pod for like three hours rolling out the stats like he's on under pressure. Guys, tweet us actually. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Let's settle this once and for is all. Is it but... fucking bollocks a Christmas movie? <laughs> Sam Maguire, if you're listening, you know what? Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Yeah, we stupid nonsense. The city of Los Angeles doesn't even have a fucking Christmas tree or Christmas decorations at the pissing airport. Okay, yeah, you know Christmas what? Movie. Of course it is. We're going to time out now. Right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, once again, take care and we'll be back hopefully on Sunday if everything goes as a schedule. Take care. Till next time, look after yourselves and up the reds. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalglish. Plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists. We'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven day free trial now. Sports Social Podcast Network.